With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog and Talk Radio. Good evening. My name is Donald Mazzella, and the program is Small Business Digest Radio. Each week we bring to you experts, other practitioners, uh, in the small business sector, who hopefully will help the audience improve profits, uh, increase cash flow, uh, better manage their staff, and uh, provide uh, insight as to to better operate their company. Uh, we have a, an unusual lineup today. Uh, most people start a small business. They have a plan, but they don't have an exit plan. Uh, and it's perhaps the most important part of anything. I know when venture capitalists ask uh, uh, would-be uh, 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 companies what, what the exit plan is, if they don't have one, they immediately close the books. Well, a book came across my desk the other day that uh, really uh, brought me up short. It was called Sell Your Business for More Than It's Worth. Uh, I quickly delved into it and and uh, found that Michelle T- Seller Tucker had some really great ideas. And I invited her to, to join us t- tonight to talk about her book, her ideas, and how anyone can uh, sell their business for more than it's worth. Michelle, are you with us? Yes, I am, Don. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. First, Michelle, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. My background, I started out with corporate America like many people did. I worked for Xerox for many years and always had the desire to be an entrepreneur and kind of gravitated towards helping people. So I got into franchise development, franchise sales, and franchise consulting. Then I uh, basically got into selling businesses because I was selling franchises, and I discovered very quickly that there were millions and millions of business owners out there that were desperately trying to sell their business, and unfortunately, 8 out of 10 businesses do not sell, and 60% of businesses who attempt to sell their own business fail. So I realized that there was a huge captive audience that needed my help, and I also had a lot of buyers I was working with that wanted to purchase an existing business uh, versus a franchise. So that's kind of what got me into the industry. Uh, since I've owned and operated several different businesses and sold over hundreds of franchises and businesses. Well, before we um, before we get to that, uh, how did you go about uh, writing your book? You know. I actually wrote this book pretty quickly. Um, This is going to make you laugh. I I wrote the book in four weeks. And I think the reason I was able to write it so quickly is because I've been selling businesses for so many years, and I just had all this information in my head, and it was pretty easy to put it on paper. It actually took me longer to do the covers and the interior design, et cetera. But actually writing the book was pretty easy. There is a saying that everyone has at least one book in them, but sitting down and writing it, (laughs) but sitting down and writing writing one and and then uh, doing it, I found it a fascinating book, and uh, I want to I want to keep you a while so so we talk about it. Uh, First, uh, I guess is how how do you prepare uh, a business to sell? Well, you know, that's a great question. There's a lot of things that go in it. Um, You know, the biggest mistake sellers do make, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, is that they don't plan their exit strategy and you really should plan your exit strategy from day one of starting or buying a business. Um, But there's a lot of of different components that we look at. First and foremost, we look to see how well the company is branded. We want to make sure that, that the business owner has a business and not a job. 
We'll make sure there's employees in place. We want to make sure there's a management team, a healthy customer base, and additional revenue streams. And, you know, the more intellectual property a business has, the more valuable that business becomes as well. Well, uh, let's uh, let's talk about intellectual property for a minute. Uh, what what sure. do you mean by that? Well, you know, a lot of different companies will have different intellectual property. I'm working with a company right now that has eight different uh, trademarks. They have it's a food manufacturing company, and they have um, several different trademarks. They have a lot of secret recipes. Um, they have, you know, all kinds of different uh, formulas and. and profit centers and um, pretty healthy customer base, and that really your intellectual property is your trademarks, your patents, your contracts in place, any secret uh, formulas, recipes, etc. cetera. Uh, sometimes an entrepreneur founds a company and, and finds it difficult for he or she to let it go. How does a person mm-hmm. know it's time to let it go? You know, most sellers do suffer from seller's remorse, and I talk about this a great deal in my book. And, you know, it seems like most of my sellers in in all the years I've been selling businesses, typically when they list the business, they haven't um, 100% come to terms with the idea that they want to sell their business. And usually within three to six months of the listing process, they have an epiphany where they finally decide now this is what they're going to do with the next phase of their life. And the one thing that I do is I sit down with my customers and help them plan the beginning strategy because before you can exit, you need to know what you're going to do next. So there's an exit strategy and there's a beginning strategy. That's an interesting point. Uh, Do you find that there are a lot of serial entrepreneurs out there? Um, Absolutely, absolutely. I've got, you know, I've owned eight different businesses. I have clients that have owned many, many, many different businesses. I'm working with a guy that's owned 15 different restaurants. So absolutely. A lot of my clients want to go on and, and create their next masterpiece. Well, do you think, uh, do, uh, do you find that uh, there's a, an age span, say the, the 40s or the 50s, when most uh, people start to think about uh, selling their company? Well, well, yes, and you've got to look at all the different reasons people sell. The number one reason people are selling right now is retirement because of the baby boomers. So you have over, gosh, 7 million. I think last time I looked at the number, it was over 7 million baby boomers planning their exit strategy, planning to sell their business so they can now enjoy their retirement years. Uh, so that's the number one reason that people sell. But, you know, I have people in their 30s and, and uh, early 40s that are selling because of relocating burnout, they want to go and, and create something else. And then I've had some sellers get on their own business that really don't like to be in business for themselves and they want to go back to work for somebody else. So there's all kinds of different reasons why people decide to sell. Well, um, many businesses really re- revolve around one one individual who's usually the leader. Um, are, are they valuable after that leader leaves? Well, absolutely. Well, it depends upon the business. The larger the business, then that business is not as dependent upon the leader. Uh, like we have a $20 million business that we're selling at this right now, and um, it's owned by, by two individuals, and this business runs without them. I mean, one of the, the owners takes three to six months vacation a year. The other owners, there are a little bit more, but this business has – 60 employees that pretty much drives without them being there. So the larger the business, the less dependent it is on the owner. There are some businesses where the, the, the business owner did a better job at branding themselves personally and not necessarily branding their business. So therefore, you pull that owner out of the business and the business could suffer. So in those type of scenarios, we have to structure a deal where we keep the owner on for a period of time. Well, let's talk um, twenty million. I I don't consider a small business anymore. Let's talk about. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We uh, we define a, a small business when they refer to it as my company, and a big business when they refer to it as the company. Right. But uh, <clears throat> let's talk about a smaller a smaller business because that's uh, where our audience is. 
uh, 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 10, 15, 50 employee um, uh, level. Do you, uh, what do you see happen, happening there? Yeah, well, and just, just so you know, we specialize in selling businesses from $50,000 on up to a million. So we deal with the small, we sell a lot of small businesses. Um, small businesses are a backbone of our economy. I mean, 97.9% of all businesses are small businesses. Um, so what do I see there as, as far as what aspect? Well, uh, uh, I read your book and found the... Uh, I, I learned a great deal from it. That's why I, I asked you on the program. Uh, Thank let's you. Start. Um, uh, a lot of books come across my desk, but very few of them uh, touch me as much as that one. Cause, uh, wow! Thank you very much. I, that, I really appreciate that. Well, that means uh, a lot to me because <laughs> you know that's my first book I ever wrote, so that means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. Well, the, the, unfortunately. Uh, uh, in reading it, I realized we, we made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> so now we're going to have to go back and uh, uh, and and uh, uh, kind of uh, look at the business uh, uh, in a totally different way. Right. Because uh, I'd love nothing better than at this point to uh, find find someone to carry it on. Um, uh, well, well, I can help you with that. I can help you with that, Don. <laughs> I may take you up on it. Um, uh, one of the questions I, I, I that arose in my is um, how do you truly value a company? It's um, uh, the, the discussion comes out. Well, I think it's worth two million. Someone else thinks it's worth three million. Someone else thinks it's worth three hundred thousand. How do you start go about valuing company for sale? Right, you know that's a great question, and there's a lot of misconceptions out there as far as what a business is worth, and it's not one size fits all. Uh, first and foremost, what my company does, uh, which most business brokers do not do, we look at every aspect of the company when we. When we go and evaluate a company, we we look to see what is that company's brand awareness. Ninety-five percent of businesses are not branded. So we want to know, is that company well-branded? Does that company have great name awareness? Um, what, is the, what is the industry? Because there's a lot of industries that are thriving, and then there's, there's industries that are taking a nosedive. So we want to know, is that still a viable industry, number one? Then we want to look and see how many revenue streams does that business have. If that business only has one profit center and that profit center falls short for whatever reason, then that business could go under very quickly. We also want to look at the customer base. The golden rule is that 80% of business comes from 20% of your from your customers. So 80% comes from 80% of the revenue comes from 20% of your customers. So we want to look at that customer base just to make sure it's healthy as well because I've taken listings where the business had, you know, maybe 100 customers, but the majority of the revenue was coming from maybe the top five customers. And if, if that business loses one or two of those customers, that business could go out of business very quickly. So we want to look at the customer base. We want to look at the profit centers. We want to look at the industry. We also want to look to see if the business is relocatable, if they own real estate. We take a look at the furniture, fixtures, equipment. We value the inventory. We also look at the accounts receivables, look at the accounts payable. And then we have to look at the financials. And this is what most people don't understand. It's not one size fits all. Some industries are multiple of um, sellers' special earnings. Some are multiple of gross, uh, percentage of gross income. Some are multiple of net sales. Some are a multiple of EBITDA or multiple of EBIT. So every industry has a different... Uh, let me interrupt you one second. Uh, mm -hmm. Explain what EBITDA is, please. Thank you for interest, practice, depreciation, and amortization. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I talk about that in my book as well. I, I know you do. Um but I'm, uh, uh, our audience, uh, I, I like to put them all out there. And when a term like that, which which frustrated me for many years, by the way, um, I, I like people to uh, know, know about it. But please continue. 
Okay, so so we took a look at that, and then, like you said, uh, you know, one person will have this price, another person will this, have this price. Obviously, a seller has a price in their head. I have a price in my head, and a buyer has a price in their head. And obviously, ultimately, it's the buyer who determines what that business is worth because it's about what they're going to pay for it. So the way I come up with my pricing is obviously I look at everything that we mentioned before as far as branding, the name, intellectual property, couch receivables, et cetera. And then we look at the financials. We also add back all personal expenses. And then we look to see what the formulas are for that particular industry. I pull business comps as well. But with all that being said and done, here's what you really got to know. You got to know if that business price meets the buyer's sanity check. And what does the buyer's sanity check mean? The buyers always ask themselves five basic questions when they buy a business. Number one, they want to know, how much do I have to put down on this business? Number two, will the cash flow of the business support the debt service? Number three, after the cash flow pays for the debt service, will it leave me enough money to live on? And number four, how soon can I get my initial ROI, my initial return on investment? Most buyers want their initial return on investment within two, two and a half years. Number five, does that business have potential to grow? Buyers will not buy a business without potential, but they're not going to pay twice. They're not going to pay the owner for that potential and then have to spend money in marketing, maybe um, additional furniture, fixtures, equipment, uh, maybe additional inventory in order to obtain that potential. So when I price a business, I back into it to make sure it's going to meet the buyer sanity check because if it doesn't, nobody's going to buy the business. Does that make sense? It, it makes sense to me, but the um, <laughs> uh, question, natural question: Should a, a seller uh, take back a, a, a notes? Or, in, in today's economy, absolutely, it's very difficult to get deals financed, and um, banks only do deals when a perfect storm occurs. Now. Because of the financial debacle, financing is not easy as it once was. So the, the perfect storm means that the seller needs to have perfect books and records with very few add-backs. Many business owners live out of their business. They run personal expenses to their business, such as cars, travel, meals, entertainment. And I've seen a lot more <laughs> that business owners run through their business. So... Banks will only allow for some percentage of that back. So the seller pretty much has to have perfect books and records. The cash flow obviously has to support the debt service and afford the buyer enough to live on. On the buyer's side, the buyer needs to have perfect credit. The buyer needs to 100% collateralize that loan. And the buyer needs to come up with 25 to 30% down. And then the buyer has to have industry experience. So that's the perfect storm, and very, 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 very seldom does a perfect storm ever occur these days. So 100% of all of my owners, all of my my sellers have agreed to a seller financing component. Well, that's interesting. Uh, I, I want to get back to that point, but let me ask you, uh, um, I've seen many businesses where people buy it and then start to change it. Do you see that happening? You know, most of my, not too often, uh, most of my buyers realize that when they're going in to buy a business, they're buying a track record, they're buying a proven system, they're buying a business that's been in, in, in business for many years, and they don't go in there right away just to change everything. You know, the philosophy is not to fix what's not broken. Um, obviously, some buyers will go in and make changes where they see the changes need to be made, but many, many, many of my buyers do not make any changes whatsoever until they really learn the business, learn the customers, and, and get familiar with the employees. Well, well let, me, let me go uh, on, on, uh, to another point. Do you, uh, uh, people who sell the companies, uh, uh, sometimes they're generational. They don't have a second or third generation willing to get into the business. Have you seen that? Right. Absolutely. I mean, we see it every single day. And that's, you know, what's going on with our $20 million company. 
we just sold a $1.5 million office supply company um, that was uh, second generation, and they don't have a third generation that's interested in going into it. So, yes, we absolutely see that. I mean, a lot of times family wants to sell to, to their children. <laughs> they don't always want to give it away to their children. And a lot of times children don't want the business these days. It always surprises me when they they have a going business and they don't want to do it. Uh, yeah. Will you stand by, Michelle, while we have a brief word from our sponsors, and we'll go into more detail, all right? Okay, sure. Many small businesses purchase supplies, equipment, other needs through local stores. To save money on many of these purchases, consider Deem.com. This purchasing site offers real bargains and large discounts on many key items needed to run your business, and it's free to join and use. That's deem.com. Again, deem.com for all your small business needs. We're here with Michelle Seller Tucker, the author of the book, Sell Your Business for More Than It's Worth. And uh, Michelle's been on and uh, giving us good advice. But now, what are the key points, uh, Michelle, that you, uh, that a, a, per, a business owner should do to sell his or her business for more than it's worth? Well, first of all, they should hire an expert to sell their business because most sellers are very familiar with the intimate details and intricate details of running their business but they're not familiar with all the moving parts and intricate details involved in selling a business. So most sellers have no idea what the business is worth. They have no idea how to obtain buyers. They don't know how to qualify buyers. And 50% of sellers who try to sell the business on their own fail for most of the reason. And typically they fail because the buyer they were working with was never qualified in the first place to buy that business. So if you need heart surgery... Do you perform heart surgery on yourself? No. <laughs> so if you're going to sell your most prized possession, which in most cases is is um, your life's work, why leave that to chance? So the best thing to do is to hire an experienced broker that can help you price the business, package the business, bring the qualified buyers. Well, oh, that's number one. Well, uh, uh, and you give many more in your book. We're not going to give it away, but can you give us a couple of more? Sure. Also, you want to, uh, again, like we've talked about, you want to make sure that you have employees in place. It's very difficult to sell a business where the owner is the business and they don't have any employees or they only have independent contractors. So you want to make sure you have a business to sell. You want to make sure you have employees in place. You want to make sure, um, depending upon the, the size of the business, that you have a management team. And you also want to make sure that your financial house is clean. You know, many when I go in and sell businesses, a lot of my business owners, their financials are a mess. And in some cases, it takes me three to six months to go through their financial records just to be able to discover what that business owner is making. So you want to clean your financial house. You want to get all your ducks in a row. Make sure you have your P&Ls, your balance sheets up to date, your tax returns up to date. And if you are running personal expenses through the business, know what those are and, and be um that you can prove those to a buyer. Um, a question comes up. How do you deal with your employees? Do you tell them you're selling the business? I mean, um, that's always, a, a to me, an interesting question. And... Uh, if they uh, hear that you're selling the business, they start to worry about their jobs, et cetera. You know, that's a good question, and I will tell you the number one reason sellers hire business brokers is to maintain confidentiality. The number one thing that can ruin a business is breaching confidentiality. Everybody gets spooked and nobody likes change, and employees are no different. Employees get very nervous when they find out the seller is selling their business, and they think the new owner is going to come in and terminate them. Customers get fearful and think the new owner is not going to provide the same level of service. And the vendors get fearful, too, because they you know, they don't know who the new owner could be. And the only person that likes to shout it from the rooftop that you're selling your business are your competitors. So confidentiality is key. 
And I always suggest, unless it's a multi-million dollar business with a CFO in place, not to tell your employees. Um, our, our larger type businesses will tell maybe one to two key employees because they need those employees to be involved in a transaction. And typically there's a bonus for them at the end of the transaction as well. But in most cases, you don't want to tell your employees. Well, let me ask you a question. Um, sure. Uh, some, uh, well, I am asking you questions all, all, all night long, but um, another one that comes up, uh, uh, I've seen some businesses where the owners have shared in the uh, success in the sell, and I've seen others where they haven't, uh, leaving a, a kind of a bitter taste behind. What do you recommend in that area? I'm not really sure what you're asking. You've seen some situations where the owners... What I meant is um, uh, a business owner sells the uh, company and gives a bonus to the employees for helping him him or her reach that uh, the point where he could sell at a profit. Uh, I've seen some companies, some uh, sellers do it and some sellers don't. Do you have any opinion on that? Again, I think it just really depends upon the business and how um, instrumental that particular employee is uh, in making that deal go through. Uh, I can give you some different scenarios. I had a distribution company that we were selling, and this was right during Hurricane Katrina, right after Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans. And their right-hand person, was very instrumental in helping us with everything we needed to do in order to make the buyer feel comfortable with the transition because the buyer lives in California and we were relocating the company to Florida. And without that employee, we would have had a difficult time moving forward. So the seller, I think, gave um, the employee a pretty hefty bonus when we closed on the deal. And then the buyer ended up relocating the employee to Florida and keeping, uh, keeping her on with them. So in some situations, it's absolutely necessary. Um, it's always a case-by-case scenario. If the employees don't know the business is for sale and the owner hasn't um, divulged that to them, then chances are they're not going to get a bonus. But if they do have to tell them and they become instrumental in that transaction coming to fruition, then they absolutely should bonus an employee. Well, uh, let's let's go in, in, in uh, another direction. Uh, how do you go about selling a business smartly? <laughs> well, well, again, um, again, selling a business, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of intricate details involved. There's a lot of things that you have to know. And the best piece of advice I can give is, is hire a professional to do that, um, just like if you need legal advice, you go to an attorney, you, handle, you hire a CPA for accounting advice, same thing with selling your business. But first and foremost, get your ducks in a row, get your financials together, uh, make sure you have all updated financials, make sure your your books and records are as clean as can possibly be. And, um, you know, do whatever you can to, to shine that business in the best possible light that you can and make it look as good as it, as you possibly can as well. Um you know the more the more you know there's all kinds of things that can raise the value of the business, such as contracts in place, um, such as a new account that you just landed. I mean, there's all kinds of different things that can add to the value of a business. Uh, uh, I guess what I meant by that is, how do you let people know you want to sell your business? Well, again, the number one reason sellers hire us is confidentiality. And most sellers are paranoid about their employees, their customers, especially their competitors finding out that they're for sale. Um, So the way that we do it for our clients is we advertise very discreetly uh, our clients' business on many different business websites, business MLS, multiple listing sites. We also um, we also send out strategic mail pieces. We have a very extensive buyer database of thousands and thousands of buyers, and all of our buyers are sorted by location requirement, industry requirement, price, down payment, etc. Uh, before a business owner to try to sell their business on their own, 
and maintain confidentiality, it's very, very difficult for a multitude of reasons. Well, uh, I, I know that, and uh, I've seen it from other people. Uh, right. But that, that is a problem, um, and uh, it sometimes led to disaster. Absolutely, um, absolutely. And we can sell, you know, the last business we sold was, we sold it in 30 days, and we were able to sell it without any advertising. All we did was go to our buyer database, and we found the buyer very quickly. And um, because we have been in business for so long, we have so many different buyers we work with. And there's five different types of buyers. I'm not sure if, if you're familiar with all the different types of buyers, but there's five different types. Well, tell us what those five are. Sure. Um, 95% of buyers are first-time buyers. These are buyers that are leaving um, their jobs, leaving corporate America. You know, right now we have millions of people that are currently unemployed, and they don't have a choice. They have to purchase a business. They need to purchase a job. They need to replace their income. And many of these buyers are uh, taking money out of their 401K without paying taxes and penalties in order to purchase a business. So that's number one or first-time buyers. Then you have your sophisticated buyers, which have bought many businesses before. They know what they're doing. They know what they want. They pull the trigger very quickly. Uh, first-time buyers are very slow to pull the trigger. And then you have your um, strategic buyers. And these type of buyers uh, go out to buy additional profit centers, uh, maybe look for something that's congruent with what they're already doing. And... Um, and or they might buy a business to solve a problem that they can't currently solve in their own company, or they might buy a business for staffing reasons. And then you have your um, turnaround specialist, and these are your buyers that look for distressed businesses. They want to buy businesses that are not doing well because their specialty is to fix those businesses, turn them around, and sell them for a profit. And then lastly, you have your PEGs, which are private equity groups, and these are... I'm sure you're familiar with private equity groups. They buy larger type businesses, $20 million, $30 million, $40 million. Um, They look for certain type of platforms that will complement um, the, the, the businesses that they already have in place, and um, they look for a certain EBITDA range. Well, uh, how can people uh, uh, reach you? We're, we're reaching the end of uh, our, our talk. How can they reach you? They can go to our website at betterbusinessbrokers.com. That's betterbusinessbrokers.com. Um, they can also call us at 877-853-4227, 853-4227. And our book is available on Amazon as well. Well, uh, Michelle, thank you for joining us uh, tonight. I look forward to talking to you again and rereading Thank your book. You, Thank you, Don. Uh, I appreciate the questions, and it gave me a lot of fun to answer. It's a lot of fun to answer them. Well, well, we'll, we'll have you back soon. Again, remember, okay. her Thank book you, is Sell Your Business for More Than It's Worth. That was Michelle Seller Tucker. Um, you can get it on Amazon. We're going to take a, a, a brief uh, a break here, and our next guest, uh, uh, Isabella Morgia Di Vicari, is a, a, a horse of a different color, and uh, I think uh, we'll all enjoy her. Stand by, and thank Want to know more about health savings accounts for your company or yourself? Go to 2hsa.com and get a free employer's primer. Health savings accounts are a cost-effective way of offering health care benefits to your employees and yourself. HSAs build retirement funds for your employees, improve morale, and reduce your health care benefit costs. For a free employer guide to HSAs, go to 2hsa.com. That's 2hsa.com. We're back. This is Small Business Digest Radio. And my next guest is someone that I, I, that does everything with passion, Isabella Morgia Divacari. Isabella, are you on? I sure am. Good evening, Don. Uh, I, I invited you on this program for, for two reasons. One is that uh, amongst entrepreneurs that I have uh, interviewed over the years, I seldom met one with as much passion about uh, her business, 
Italian cooking and Italian American culture, and more importantly, you're at a somewhat of a crossroads in your your own uh, uh, business. And I thought we'd talk about it tonight. Thank you. I, I would love to answer all your questions, and I'm hoping that we have a listener that has a real interest in wanting to know more. So let's begin. Well, my first question is, what is your business? Well, but wait, before you do that, tell us a little bit about your background. Thank you. Actually, I am first generation born in this country, and my entire family is from Italia. My father is from Calabria, and my mother is from Trieste. And I well, tell everybody tell. that... Go ahead. I'm sorry? No, I was going to interrupt and say Italians think of Calabrians as hard-headed. And, and that is the God's honest truth, too. <laughs> And I speak about myself when I say that as well. I fall right into that category. As a matter of fact, if you were to ask me, do I have more of a southern, southern Italian tendencies or the northern Italian tendencies, I'm a, Calab- a Calabrese through and through. But anyway, go on from there. Um, well, when my family came to this country, actually, they um, had a very, very hard life in the beginning, but little by little, my father created this wonderful life for us. And he's a man with no education who took the opportunities that America gave him and created a wonderful life for the familia. And so we ended up in Florida in 1970, and he's had six Italian restaurants instead. Okay, and what are you doing now? Well, I was raised in my family's restaurant business, and when we sold the very last one about 18 years ago, I became a personal chef. And at that point, I decided to go out on our own, and um, we have our family business, and it's called Isabella's Bella Cucina. Uh, And we're here tonight because uh, you really want to expand outward. I do. I do in in, in several different directions, actually. Uh, One of the things that I love about what we do is um, Isabella's Bella Cucina. We are a full-service catering company, and we specialize in authentic Italian and Spanish food. But we have these fabulous niche services um, that tackle many of the issues that the corporate executives and HR leaders are looking for, and that is a team development in a private cooking class setting. But my class is very, very different than the others. You see, so, may, I, may I share why it's different, Don? Of course. Thank you. Um, the reason that our class is so impactful is because we really focus on the taking the um, employees back to the foundations and the core values of the company. You see, we really believe that the foundation of a strong familia is the foundation of a strong corporation, which in turn is the foundation of a strong America. And we need to get America back to this table. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. But now, you you have this, uh, you have the catering business, you have mm-hmm. the uh, uh, team building cooking business, Mm-hmm. Uh, cooking you, classes, you, yes. Cla- cl- see, I, uh, that's the first thing I would tell you. It's a, it's not a class; it's a business. Yeah, you're it, absolutely it, right. Uh, I think that's a very important uh, point. Um, uh, uh, small businesses, uh, one that are driven like uh, star power, like yours, it's very difficult to uh, replicate themselves until they recognize that they have to. Uh, uh, they have to start thinking as a business rather than what than a, uh, a one-off uh, 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 situation. Uh, mm-hmm. What what impressed me about uh, you is your passion, but um, you have a, uh, a track record. How long have you been in business? Actually, Isabella's been in business actually full time. I would say for the last eight or nine years now. Right. And in that mm-hmm. time, you've managed to, to turn it into a successful venture. But now Very the question, much so. But now the question is, how do you uh, uh, how do you jumpstart it to the next plateau? Mm, that's and, that's the the million dollar question. Absolutely right. And I certainly would love some feedback from you. 
but I'd like to tell you what we're doing in the, at this time. Go ahead. Well, what because we really believe, obviously, outside of the catering company, that you hit the nail right on the head. We truly have another entity of doing team development in a private cooking class setting, and that in itself really is something that needs a total focus. You know, so that really is two different businesses under the umbrella of Isabella's Bella Cucina. And you see, we're going to focus on corporate, these, you know, Fortune 500 companies and being able to talk to the executives and the HR people that desperately are looking for something different to impact their employees differently. And that's the gift that I really believe that God has given me. You know, to be able to reach through, whether it's through the television, and we'll talk about my show in just a little bit, or whether it's actually, you know, sitting down across from you face-to-face or talking to you on the telephone like I'm doing right now, Don, all right, you know and you feel, just like I do, the the passion and and love that we have for, for people, for living, and for life. And we actually just use the vehicle of food to deliver this incredible message that they need to hear. Well, well, most people don't realize how incredibly complex a kitchen is to Mm. run. Um, Very much so. And, you you know, you hit the nail on the head there because, you see, we teach, though, that the simplicity and the art of cooking truly are the tools for life. And the tools for life are right in your kitchen. And we take that whole thing, we take it apart, and we literally, in in this team development, we actually impart a type of vulnerability. You know, it's it's a time when you actually take these masks off. You know, and this is what I say to all of my clients. You know, in order for us to truly be effective, all right, and to give our clients our absolutely our very very best, all right, we need to be authentic. And true to who we are, and true with the honesty and the integrity, all right, that we can share with them the best qualities to help us all grow together. But it starts with the person we see in the mirror, Don. Yes, but uh, see, an an HR or a corporation uh, isn't interested so much in that as the fact that you could build a team. You can uh, take a, a group of coworkers and turn them into a cohesive team by by teaching them uh, how it works in the kitchen. And you, go ahead. Go ahead. You 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 can do that, but if they don't get the foundation, if the foundation is not clear to them, all right, and if they don't understand that the core values of what they're going to build those tools with that you're going to learn in the kitchen, you'll just never have the strength of the company that you can have. Well, that's true. But, uh, see, uh, I guess uh, uh, I've I've heard you talk before, and one of the reasons I invited you on tonight is because uh, that's great, but all a, a potential customer wants to know is how is that going to benefit me as a um uh HR person or a CEO uh sent to send my employees to to you uh, to train and uh, the part uh what always what impressed me about you you and your organization is your authentic Italian food but more importantly how you go about doing it uh, your passion always comes through, Isabella. I mean, it booms through on the phone. Uh, you're actually being subdued tonight. From, Thank from you. Our, <laughs> uh, and I invited you on because you have such passion, and you uh, uh, and we should be talking about how it um, how it can be turned uh, to advantage to build your business. And uh, we're going to talk about the television in a minute, but um, uh, uh, to, to my to my way of thinking, I'd have no hesitancy uh, inter- introducing you to HR uh, departments, uh, but you've got to give them the benefit. And many many small businesses, in our experience, do not give the benefit 
do not emphasize the benefit to their clients or their uh, customers of what they're doing. And the benefit uh, you're giving them is building the team. Uh, I've worked in the kitchen. It absolutely is building the team, and it's building the team from the ground up with a solid, with a solid foundation. You know, if we are not on the same, if we are not on the same page in our team, in our company, all right, and if we are have the attitude of all for one versus all for all. All right, because we hear that all the time. All right, and if we know that if I'm not going to cover your back to help build you up and help you in an area that you need help in as one peer to another, and I'm only looking out for myself, no matter how good this team is, if they're on their own individual islands and their own individual agendas, you'll, your company will never be what it potentially can be. But when they buy in, Don, they buy in to truly the message of what happens when we bring the familia back to the table, where the conversations take place, where those masks all come down, and we are truly authentic with one another, and we truly care about the other person's success more than our own success that it's not all about me, me, and me. And it goes so much deeper than that, Don. What happens is the team grows together strong. And when that team is strong, they will go out and they will be able to reach out to those clients and present a whole nother dynamic that they've never presented before. And that client is going to see that they are different. That's That's true. And what you preach is is uh, very good, and uh, as I've said to you in the past, I think you should write uh, write a book about that. But Thank um, you. Uh, again, um, uh, you, you should be prefacing everything by if you work in a kitchen, in a restaurant kitchen, um, or any place like that, if you don't have teamwork and, and backing up each other. You really have chaos in the kitchen, as uh, Gordon Ramsay shows all the time on his program. Let me give you an example. I think you're going to like this example, and like this is, I think this is really where you're going with this. Um, I teach that uh, when we're in the kitchen, for example, um, in everyone's home, everyone needs to have a great marinara sauce. All right, and this great marinara sauce with a few simple ingredients will be the foundation of many great recipes, okay, to come. So who wants to, though, wants to come home and make a marinara sauce from scratch every single day to build on top of that, all right, when here you are, you've got a solid recipe, and then you're going to just a few extra ingredients come up with something else and build on it strong. But if you build on something lousy, Don, you're not going to get anything but lousy and maybe a little better on the top. But that's not good enough today. Are you with me? I'm listening to you. <laughs> well, but are you hearing where I'm going with this? Absolutely. See, so keep if going. the foundation and the core values of that corporation are not built on solid ground with their employees who truly all buy in, and, you know, Don, I tell them all, you know, I said, guys, this message that I share with you, all right, today is for you to take home to your family, first and foremost, all right, and to take it from your family, to bring it to your work, and to take this and share this amongst each other right there in your office. And then when you share that and you really have that there in your that continuity, okay, that strength within the peers of one another, your associates, then together you can take it to the outside and you become unstoppable. Yeah, you the really problem do. is uh, we're facing a me generation. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Well, you know what? The me generation finds out very, very quickly, all right, that that doesn't last very long. Because there are a lot of me generation people coming up, but let me tell you, all right, there's something to be said and so much to be learned, you know, from our generation. And the me generation needs to know that our generation, you know, has, you know, we got what we have, 
all right, 99% of us through blood, sweat, and tears. And they're going to learn that blood, sweat, and tear lesson now, or life will teach it to them later. But trust me, they will, they will, they're better off learning it now. You know, my nonna used to say, Don, you know, when they fall, let them fall now while they're young because it's a lot less painful. Because when they fall at our age, boy, the scars, are they bad. <laughs> are they not? Uh, absolutely. But your nonna is your grandmother. Yes, my grandmother, exactly. Well, my grandmother might not who be a lot of Italian-Americans in the uh, <laughs> audience. Now, Thank tell you us for, about for your television fun. program. Well, well your television idea. Thank you. Thank you. Well, yes, you had it right. I am on television right now locally in Central Florida. Um, and what I absolutely share with everything I do, and this goes to the entire Isabella's Bella Cucina, the whole company, the foundation who we are, we are really about bringing the familia back to the table. Because we believe, all right, and I believe the message is so desperately needed that if we do not... Get, hang on to the people that we love, all right, whether they deserve it or not, all right, because they are ours, because they are our children or our parents or our friends and neighbors because we truly care. We cannot be throwing everybody away, all right, like the society has become a very throwaway society. And you see, but what happens when you pour into somebody, Don? You begin to, to bless them. And you have conversations, Don. And when you have conversations, you are building a relationship. Or perhaps you're coming to the table to rebuild a relationship where healing and forgiveness takes place. And what about this me generation, all right, who needs to truly get back to their roots of, of where they've come from, all right, and to the foundation and their history and the traditions, and you know what I teach, Don? You know, I say, you know, you may not have grown up with the huggy, touchy, feely familia like I did. All right? But guess what? As an adult, you no longer have to be a victim. As an adult, you have the right to decide who you want to pour your life into. All right? Because when we take interest in others, when we go to somebody's home or we invite someone to our home for a cup of coffee, a plate of pasta, all right? It doesn't matter what it is. All of a sudden, you show someone that you care about them. And when you show someone that you care, Don, this is where the relationships are built. And before you know it, you have a family. Well, isn't uh, So then let's get back to, since this is a small business program, let's talk about uh, what you think you want to do for the next uh, next year. Well, regarding my show, I'm looking for some sponsors that would come and hear our message. Because, you know, our show is not all about the cooking. As a matter of fact, it's not all about the food at all. You see, we just use the vehicle of food to bring people back to the table. But how wonderful would it be to be able to go into people's homes from all walks of life, all right, and talk to them and sit down with them and have them share their traditions and let me tell you, even having them share their traditions, whether they're from the Asian culture, whether they're from the the Hispanic culture, whether they're from African-American culture, I mean, I can go on and on and on. You know what okay. they all have in common? 99% of these people all love Italian food. Okay. And I'm going to tell you that Italian is for all occasions. But even at, during those bar mitzvahs, okay, they still want, okay, some of that Italian food there as well. There's well, something now, to be said about that. Okay, in a brief time that we have left. But why don't you open a restaurant to push push this out? You know, Don, I was raised in the restaurant business my entire life. And mm. it's a very, very hard life, Don. And quite frankly, I like having a life. I have a wonderful husband and beautiful children, and my parents are here, and my brother and my sisters and all. I don't want to be tied to a restaurant 24-7. Okay, so let us, in the, in the um, minute we have left, summarize. You have, a, 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 you have the passion. You have the idea that you're... Um, that by bringing people to the table, uh, you can and to teaching them to cook in a kitchen, you can uh, build a better better teamwork. Am you I can, correct? Indeed. 
You are indeed. You are indeed. Uh, yes, uh, we have a full-service catering company, Isabella's Bella Cucina. That's one part of our business. The other part is because I'm the official chef for Whirlpool and Jenner, I've got these beautiful showrooms. And in these showrooms, I do a lot of my private cooking classes in a form of team development, or we do customer appreciation in those classes. And in those classes, it's all Food Network style. And when I say that, it's not – they don't really come in there to chop onions, Don. They come in there for the incredible experience and the things that take place that will truly impact them and will motivate them and inspire them to be the best they can be and to take it back home and take it back to work and out to their customers. You're in Tampa. I'm in Orlando. Orlando, sorry. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, hey, you know New Yorkers, Orlando, Tampa. All the same, right? <laughs> but um, yeah. uh, uh, people want to reach you. How did they do Thank it? You. Thank you. You can go to my website, foodwithpassion.com. Again, foodwithpassion.com. Or you can email me at Isabella at foodwithpassion.com. Or feel free to call me at 407 407- Two six seven six zero three three. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to help you with any of your team development. I would love to talk to you if you have an interest in knowing more about my show. Either way, the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to make a new friend, and that's a good thing. My favorite line is Will Rogers. There are no strangers, only friends I haven't met. There you go. I love it. And, you know, just like when we start our show, we say, benvenuti amici. I say, welcome, my friends. And when we end our show, we always end it with, vivere bene, amici. Live well, my friends. And that's what I wish for all of you. Well, as Spock says, uh, live well and prosper. Uh, 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 Isabella, it's been been a pleasure again, and uh, we will talk with you soon. Thank you, Don. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Ciao, my friend. Ciao. Bye-bye. I brought her, uh, Isabella, on the program because uh, I think that small businesses succeed when they have a passion behind it. And uh, very few people I've met have as much passion as she does. My last thought for tonight is uh, the IRS uh, scandal uh, brings uh, brings to the forefront one of the great concerns uh, we, the editors of Small Business Digest, have with the on- uh, oncoming Obamacare in 2014. The IRS is going to be charged with deciding uh, whether a small business has qualified or not qualified under the, under the rules, which many of which are still not written. I think this is of great concern uh, and should be a continuing great concern to small business uh, leaders uh, uh, in in general. Uh, The Chinese have expression, may you live in interesting times. Well, we are going to face that in the next five or six months as we decide what what as small businesses we will do. Yes, the exemptions are under 50, but there's a very uh, interesting kicker in all this. The IRS has to decide what makes a full-time employee, uh, how many hours. And I think that's uh, going to change uh, the traditional one. Uh, is going to, the, the number of hours are going to be lowered in order to bring more uh, qualified employees. Whatever happens, uh, many employees. Whatever happens, uh, that telling me the ninety seconds are up. So whatever happens, um, we we will have some very difficult times ahead. This is Don Mazzella, and the program is Small Business Digest Radio. Thank you.
Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.